0: at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Let me share with you a little exposition from God's Word this morning. Let me just kind of open maybe uh, your observation of something that I found when I was reading in the book of Revelation this week in chapters 2 and 3, if you would turn there and be able to follow along as we look at the text, you are probably familiar with the book of Revelation, at least in as much as chapters 2 and 3 are commonly known as the letters to the seven churches. Um, Some uh, parts of Revelation may be a little bit more enigmatic to you. Um, Sometime, if you have any questions about that, we can try to untangle those things in your mind. We've uh, studied Revelation through a number of times. actually as a church, maybe once or twice in different contexts and I've taught it uh, to maybe two other times in uh, other um, in nursing homes or other ministries. So uh, we've gone a lot through the book, but we have after the introduction and the kind of divinely inspired outline of the book in chapter one and verse number 19, in which John is told to write the, th- write the things which he's seen and the things which are, and the things which will be after this. Three things, and that is really the outline of the book with the last section taking up the most of the text. But as I was reading the opening chapters this week, I observed something that I wanted to share with you. I'm sure I've seen this before or heard it before, but it really stuck out this time uh, reading through the New Testament. Uh, Perhaps the most well-known repeated feature of these short letters is the call for those who have an ear to hear. Remember that? Every one of those letters has that and, uh, in some form or, uh, or, or other. Um, and that's an important thing for us to pause and just uh, think about just for a moment. That's not the thing I want to share with you this morning, but uh, the scripture says in verse three of chapter one, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And so the call to hear, and uh, if you have spiritual ears to hear, then you should use them and hear what the word of God says. Yes, even in the book of Revelation, as enigmatic as it may appear, as difficult as it may seem, it's actually not that hard. People make it out to be difficult, but it's really not. Um, and we should hear, uh, read. And observe or keep those things which are written in it. Uh, The Lord is soon returning, and uh, far sooner now than it was when John wrote these words back in the 80s or 90s uh, AD, so coming on 2,000 years ago. So that's probably the most well known repeated facet of these. Another aspect of the letters is just the general idea of the criticisms that the Lord Jesus lays at the feet of some of these churches. There are a number of churches that have some serious problems in them, some so serious that they are in danger of having their lamp taken out of the lampstand, meaning that their church is going to close. It's just, there's not going to be any more testimony or light of witness there in that place. Um, and we do well to heed all of those uh, things as well. Uh, if we have left our first love or we appear to be alive when we're actually dead, or we have false teaching, or we have immorality in the church, those things that are laid out in those letters, we need to take heed to those very carefully, and a lot of churches today uh, would do well to uh, spend some time studying those and thinking through them very carefully. I'm not excluding ourselves by saying that either. We uh, also have our own share of shortcomings before the Lord, I'm sure if He were to come he could probably enumerate a few things in our lives and in our church's life that could use some tuning up. So let's be humble about that and ask the Lord how to help us to serve him better. But there's another feature that's repeated in these letters, and it came to my observation. Let me just read them. And uh, the first is in the the letter to the church at Ephesus, and it says in verse 7 of chapter 2, to him who overcomes I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I want you to listen carefully now to all of these statements that talk to those who overcome, those who overcome or are victorious or prevail. What are the encouraging benefits that you will experience if you are in Christ in the eternal kingdom? To him who overcomes, I'll read it again, verse 7, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God, that tree of life which was forbidden for Adam and Eve to participate in after they fell. Remember, God set an angel to prevent the way to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and they were banished from that place, and they could not participate in the enjoyment of the tree of life. We as believers will be able to enjoy the fruit of that 12-fruited tree I say that because it tells us in Revelation that it bears another fruit every month. And so it's quite interesting. The second of these statements is to Smyrna in verse 11 of chapter 2. The Lord Jesus says, He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Obviously, Revelation gives us the truth that the second death is no pleasant uh, thing to look forward to. One death is enough physical death, but the permanency of spiritual death separated from God forever is too much. And uh, he promises that he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So the tree of life, not hurt by the second death. Number three, the church in Pergamos, Revelation 2.17, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Now, you might ask, what is all of that? Well, I have to tell you, I don't know, because it's hidden manna. It's a stone on which a name is written that's unique, apparently, for every person, or unique in the sense that nobody else knows it. So I'm going to just leave it at that for now and not make any speculations about it. But these are special gifts from God to those who overcome. Uh, Manna to eat would indicate some kind of spiritual sustenance, uh, and the name written would indicate some kind of special attribution or title, uh, authority, um, special relationship with God. Uh, God gave names to people in the scriptures and changed names. Abram, Abraham, Jacob, Israel, um, you know, James and John, Sons of Thunder. That name wasn't necessarily the most uh, complimentary, but uh, this name will have deep meaning to each one who receives a name from the Lord. Then there's uh, Thyatira, which is number four on the list. And I had to do a double-take when I was reading through these because I said, now, is is this ingredient in every one of these letters? And sure enough, it is. Thyatira, Revelation 2, 26 to 28, says this, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. And then a quotation, He shall rule them with a rod of iron, they shall be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel. Does anyone know where that comes from in Scripture? Somebody? Yes, sir. Psalm 2.8. You didn't use the cross-references in your Bible, did you? Oh, I see. That's what those things are there for. I'm testing your your mind, not your uh, ability to look up in the cross-reference database. <laughs> okay. Uh, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Who is going to do that? Well, we would think immediately the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do that. But the scriptures tell us that people of God will rule and reign with him, which means that he's going to deliver some stewardship of ruling and reigning to us in some portion of that what we call iron rod rule, that will be a rule of righteousness. There will no, be, no longer be a government which rules in unrighteousness in the millennial kingdom and certainly beyond that in the eternal state, ruling with true righteousness, and enemies shall be dashed to pieces like potters' vessels, as I also have received from my father. So there it is. He's saying, I'm, I've received that right to rule from God, He's like the man who went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Uh, That fellow in Luke 19 comes back. He destroys the enemies when he takes up his rule. And I'm sure that he distributed or delegated some responsibilities to some other ministers, if you will, to do that ruling work so that he didn't have to do everything. Who can can do all the work that's necessary? Moses found that. You need to appoint helpers to you to judge and, and do things that are necessary in the ruling of your little kingdom. This will be a worldwide kingdom. And the Lord Jesus adds in verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. The morning star. We'll leave that for another time. Sardis is the uh, fifth, Revelation 3.5. So we move into chapter 3, Revelation 3.5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. That is Picturing righteousness. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. By the way, on that idea of blotting out from the book of life, people read this and there's another text or two that addresses this subject. I've written on the book of life on the blog and I've preached on that before. You can look that up. But um, I find it disconcerting that people look at a text like this and they say, they begin to worry about whose names are blotted out of the book of life and who gets erased and all that. And they've turned themselves all into a, you know, kind of get themselves into a tizzy about that thing. And they forget that the text says, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. There's no text that says that he will. He says, I will not. You are affixed in that book. From the foundation of the world if you're elect and of course you don't know that until you're saved but i want, i don't want to make a huge deal about that right now but just to caution you that when the bible says i will not blot out someone's name from the book of life don't go looking for reasons why god will blot out people from the book of life because he says i will not same thing in reverse happened in the genesis chapter 3 and the day you eat of it you shall surely die satan comes along and says You will not surely die. He puts a knot in, and here people are taking a knot out. Don't do that. It's not good for your spiritual health. But anyway, he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments. He will have the assurance of life. And uh, Jesus says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Remember that passage in Matthew chapter 10? If you're ashamed to confess me before men, I'll be ashamed to confess you before my Father in heaven. Well, The one who overcomes will have his name confessed before the Father and before the angels. Number six, Philadelphia, Revelation 3.12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Now, I think probably beneficial for us to read that in light of the mark of the beast that is put on people during the tribulation. What does that mark do? It marks them as belonging to him. This name, this mark, if you will, uh, makes the person or denotes the person as belonging to God and with the name of the city of my God. This person is a child of God, the marking is such. And also the marking is such that he's marked to be a member or a citizen of the new Jerusalem, the city of God, which comes down out of heaven. Somebody marked that way is certainly a marked man in a good way, not in a bad way. And that is what you can enjoy if you are an overcomer. Laodicea, last one, Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Can you imagine reigning with Christ, being that close to him? That's what we're talking about. In each case, the word used to describe these people is overcomers. It's from the verb nikao, from which we are familiar with the word Nike, victory, uh, one who wins in the face of obstacles, a victor, a conqueror, a prevailer, a winner. Christians are victors because, well, in the simplest way, because they are stronger. Now, that might sound a little odd, but in Luke 11:22, the Lord says, uh, speaking of himself, I'm just using this in a kind of principial way, he says of himself that, uh, you know, no one can break into the strong man's house and take his goods, unless he first binds the strong man and he, and he conquers him, and then he can spoil his goods. And he's picturing himself stronger than Satan coming in and spoiling the, the goods of Satan, the, 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 the people that Satan has under his dominion. And uh, we too are stronger, but not in ourselves, of course. We, we prevail if we are Christians because we are in Christ, And he himself was victorious over sin and death. Let me share with you a couple of verses that remind us of that. And don't lose sight of this key idea. If you are in Christ, Christ is the overcomer, and you in him also overcome those things which he has had victory over. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer I have overcome the world. That is the same verb, I have overcome, nikao, a victor. Uh, I'm a victor, I'm a conqueror, I'm a prevailer. Uh, next one is in Revelation 5.5. 5. Hopefully you kept your fingers there in Revelation. I think we'll be back there time or two. Revelation 5.5 5 says, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Remember, they're looking here for somebody to open the, the seven-sealed scroll and he says they couldn't find anybody. Behold, he says, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Prevailed, he has conquered. He has taken to himself the right to be able to do that. In Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14, the Bible says that he will conquer the world's rebellious rulers, Revelation 17, 14. These ones will make war with the Lamb. These are the ten horns, which are ten kings that will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. They will give their power and authority to the beast. And verse 14 says, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb, that's Jesus, will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Those are the overcomers, but he is the ultimate overcomer, the ultimate victor, the ultimate potentate. The lamb will overcome those wicked rulers. We too have prevailed over the evil one. In 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says in verses 13 and 14, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father, and uh, down to verse 14 at the end, and you have overcome the wicked one. My friends, you may feel sometimes helpless before the temptations that you face, helpless before the world's sinfulness, helpless before the evil one, but I want you to remember, if you're in Christ there's something entirely different, actually, that's true. You are a conqueror. You are able, well able to overcome those trials and temptations that come your way. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 4, it says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, that is, the spirits that do not confess that Christ has come in the flesh, because he who is in you is greater than than he who is in the world. There's no, Christianity is no defeatist religion. And it's also not Pollyannish, and it's kind of, you know, a kind of victorious um, view of life that everything is wonderful and great. But ultimately, Christ will cause his people to have victory over sin and death. We... We prevail over the world and all its evil because we believe in Christ, that He is the Son of God. 1 John 5, verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? All those words overcome are the same verb form at base. In the future, uh, well, actually, we overcome uh, for one Kind of main reason we've already kind of said it in different ways a couple of times, but uh, Revelation 12:11 says, "And they overcame him." That is the great dragon, the and the antichrist. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death, so they died. But they overcame the uh, test and temptation of the wicked one in the future. Tribulation. Some will overcome the Antichrist and his mark and his number. In chapter uh, 15 and verse number 2, the text says, and I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over the mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, and they were singing the, law, the uh, song of Moses. A couple more points to such people. Believers in Christ, the Lord will grant an inheritance of the promised blessings. Revelation 21 and verse number 7 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. What are the all things? Well, I believe they're referring to the things that have been described earlier in chapter 21 and will come also in chapter 22, the inheritance of believers is a vast inheritance that we will enjoy. The Bible then concludes this way, uh, or I conclude this way, using the text from Romans chapter 12, and that is we're told, therefore, because we are overcomers, in Romans, uh, did I say Revelation? In Romans chapter 12, verse 21 To behave this way, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because of who you are and because of the conquering victory of Christ over sin, death, the world, the flesh, the devil, you are able to have the same kind of conduct today in terms of overcoming evil with good and not being overcome by evil. So, no excuses now. Don't say, you know, the devil made me do it. Don't say, I can't withstand, I can't overcome this temptation. No, in fact, you can if you are in Christ. You trust in Him. It's His blood that washed away your sin. It's His spirit that dwells in you that is more powerful than you can imagine. And uh, He is the one who causes us to overcome. So, remember, to him who overcomes, God will give. God will give. God will give. God will give give seven times in Revelation 2 And three, and I hope that encourages you this morning and strengthens your faith uh, as you walk in him. We are not helpless, we are victorious. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to the table now, pray you'd help us to rejoice in thanksgiving that in that which the world sees as foolishness and a stumbling block, You have made the way to ultimate spiritual victory. It's the world's propaganda that gets people to think that the disciples stole away the body or there is no resurrection of the dead or no eyewitnesses really saw the Lord or it's just a a bunch of fairy tales and myths and made-up religious stories. Lord, we know better than to believe propaganda pushed by people who don't know what they're talking about. We trust your word, and we thank you for giving it to us and reminding us of all these verses this morning that talk about the overcomer, the capital O overcomer, the Lord Jesus, and how in him we can have the same kind of characteristics. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.